بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله تعالى نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Continuing with the tafsir of Surah Al-Hujurat. In our last lesson, we reached the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا That if a fasiq, and we defined what a fasiq is, is the one that has gone astray in terms of religious affair or socially or culturally accepted norms. That إِنْ جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقٌ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا that if a fasiq, it brings news or information to you, the automatic default should be to what? To believe or to disbelieve? No, we do not believe his news, nor do we disbelieve it. But what do we do? We verify the authenticity of his news. And this ayah, as we studied in the last lesson, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the wisdom of that known to us. And the wisdom of that is, and to see بِقَوْمًا bijahala, Lest you may harm a people in ignorance, and then afterwards you'll be full of regrets. So we covered this ayah in our last lesson. The verse we're going to be looking at today, it's a very important verse in terms of where we are geographically and also the time in which we're living in today. And it applies to all time, but more specifically the time we're in today. And the verse we're looking at today, inshallah ta'ala, from Surah Al-Hujurat, is a saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders of our in the Quran. And the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا So the verse we're looking at today inshallah ta'ala is a saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ If two groups or two factions of the believers اقْتَتَلُوا they fight each other, mean they go to war with each other, to a point they're even killing each other, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us certain order. So first and foremost, let it be known that it is possible for two groups of believers to fight and to kill one another. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this ayah, that وَإِن طَائِفَتَان If two groups of believers, اقتتلوا, they kill and they fight each other. So it's a possibility. Because although the believers are the best of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this could still happen. And the best and the best of the believers after the prophets and messengers of woo. The Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet But yet, they had disagreements amongst each other to a point that sometimes it led to war between the companions of the Prophet But the causes of war amongst us is not the same as the Sahaba Nowadays, the major causes of war between the believers are the following. Either border disputes you know borders these border disputes could lead believers in our time not like the time of the sahaba or in time of the salaf because in those days 
as long as you are a Muslim, the same way you have a passport nowadays, whether it's a British passport, a Danish passport, a French passport, because of the EU, you enter all these countries because European passport. In those days, your hawiyah, your identity, your passport, your gateway to all these places or what? Your Islam, khalas. So nowadays, border wars. Another cause of fighting between the believers, unfortunately, is tribalism. That in some parts of the world today, you have Muslims that have been at civil war. They speak the same language, some of them. They look exactly the same. And most importantly, they share one faith, al-Islam, and they killed each other for decades because of tribalism. Another reason we have in our time nowadays where people fight believers each other is nationalism. And all of these things are the cause of what? Or propagations of what? Of jahiliyyah. No matter how much a person has knowledge, is memorized the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anybody that fights purely along these lines, this is what? Jahiliyyah. This is ignorance, which is why when the companion came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he complained about another companion, and this was Bilal radiallahu an, when the other companion said to him, and remember this is a sahabi, this is a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to Bilal radiallahu an, Ya ibn al-ajamiyya, son of a non-Arab woman. That's all he said. Compared to the statements people make nowadays, the derogatory racist statements people make nowadays, the Prophet ﷺ, and this one of the best of the companions of Prophet ﷺ, that made this statement, he said to him, Verily, you have jahiliya ignorance in you. So it's ignorance. All this is a call of ignorance. And most importantly, no matter what the reasons may be, this goes back to the plans and the plots of shaitan. Because the Prophet ﷺ said about the shaitan in hadith, that قَدْ أَيْسَ الشَّيْطَانِ that when the shaitan he saw the companions of the Prophet sallallahu and that which upon from ibad and tawheed he gave up all hopes because he doesn't know the future what happened later on he gave up all hopes that those who pray I mean pray properly they'll ever ever worship the shaitan and the worship of shaitan is to obey him he gave up all hopes but one thing the shaitan he never gave up hope on tahrish baynahum to cause them to fight one another. So all this is from the what? The plots of shaitan. So If two groups of the believers, they fight, what is the order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us? Do we support one side against the other? Or do we just adopt a silent, neutral stance? What do we do? We don't support one against the other. Nor do we adopt a neutral stance. But rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he commanded us and a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a what an obligation you have no choice in the matter that maybe I may do something about it no Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said for us order command you must bring settlement reconcile between these two groups of believers order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whenever you see two groups of believers fighting each other it's an order and a command from Allah azza wa jal that you have to, at your utmost effort, even if it's going to cost you financially, to bring sulh, settlement between them. And what is a sulh, since Allah Ta'ala has ordered us with this? What is sulh? We covered this in our last lesson, what sulh is. That sulh is not the same as hukum. For example, this brother here owes this brother a hundred riyal. The ruling is for him to give him a hundred, finish. 
But with sulh, with settlement, it could be different. For the sake of peace, for the sake of reconciling, in sulh, you compromise. So I say, brother, look, I know it holds you 100 riyal, but please, the brother's having a hard time, take 50. Take 50. This is a sulh, settlement. So with settlement, one of the two parties, or in some cases, both parties will compromise and they'll forego their rights. So it's upon the believers, when you see this argument of fighting amongst the believers, to do a sulh, to do a settlement between the believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to seek reconciliation between them. And that's why, because sulh, it may cost them money. It could be financially burdening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions sulh in the Quran, he said, وَسُلْحُ خَيْرٌ And reconciling and settlement is good. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions after that, وَأُحْدِرَتِ الْأَنفُسَ الشُّحُ That although it's good, the soul naturally inclines towards stinginess, to be miserly, because automatically, the moment you go into a settlement, you're going to have to do what? Compromise financially. So even if it's going to cost us financially, it's an obligation upon us. After this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after you reconcile, you've settled between them, فَإِنْ بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى If one of them transgresses against the other, this is the point now you take size. فَقَاتِلُ الَّتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيَ إِلَى أَمْرِ اللَّهِ Fight the one that is transgressed after the settlement until he returns to what? إِلَى أَمْرِ اللَّهِ To the affair of Allah. أي شرعه ودينه Until he's come back to the sharia, the ordinance of Allah, and the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's when you take sides. However, فَإِنْ فَاءَتْ After you've taken side, if he comes back, what do you do? Do you continue to fight him? لا. If he comes back to the order of Allah, the moment he comes back, you stop fighting him. In the same way that when you're fighting the believers or a believer that's gone against the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's rules and regulations. One of those rules is if he turns his back in the battle, you're not allowed to kill him. If you capture his wife or his children in the battle, you cannot take them as right and possessed, you can't take it as booty, because they're still what? Believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if he comes back for aslihu baynahuma bil'adad, reconcile or settle between them. So now in this uh, in these ayat, Allah has ordered us twice to do what? Sulh. The first sulh is to stop the what? The fighting, the bloodshed. The second sulh is not the same as the first. In this second instance, when you do sulh, is to assess the damages that have been caused by both parties. And for each party, bil'adad, now with full justice to compensate the other. So for example, two groups fight each other. This person cost a hundred, or he, he, he damaged a hundred thousand worth of goods. Or his damage was a hundred thousand. This other person, he caused damages of a million. So when Allah Ta'ala says, أَصْلِحُ بَيْنَهُمَ بِالْعَدْلِ وَأَقْسِتُ And act in justice. How do we solve this now? The one that has caused a million real worth of damage, what does he have to do? How much does he pay? He pays 200,000. In this now, in this second sulh now, reconciliation between the both of them, he has to be bil'adl. وَأَقْسِتُ And then Allah Ta'ala ends by saying, and act in a justified manner. إِنَّ اللَّهِ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِتِينَ That verily Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, He loves those who are just. So it's good to be just, because Allah Ta'ala will love you. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, الْمُقْسِتُونَ عَلَى مَنَابِرِ مِنْ نُورِ those who are just Yom Qiyamah will be upon pulpits of light on the day of judgment. 
and upon, they'll be upon the right side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna Allah yuhibbu al-muqsiteen. And then in the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it known to us, why is it we should do sulh amongst the believers? What's the next ayah? Innama al-mu'minuna ikhwa. The believers are brothers. The same way if you have a problem with your brother, with your auntie, somebody in your family, it's the natural thing to do is to do what? To reconcile and settle. But the brotherhood we have, the brotherhood of deen is stronger than that verily the brothers are or the, the Muslims or the believers are brothers. So do sulh between your brothers. Now somebody may ask, is it possible for a Muslim or a group of Muslims to fight other Muslims and still be Muslims? Because the Prophet sallallahu said the hadith, to insult another Muslim is fisk, it's a major sin. And to kill a Muslim is kufr. It's an act of disbelief. So can a Muslim or a group of Muslims attack another group of Muslims and fight them and still remain Muslims and still remain believers? Is it possible? So this is kufr, duna kufr, kufr of a lesser degree. And what's the proof of this? Anything the Prophet said is kufr, it takes you outside the fold of Islam. That's the default, unless there comes an evidence to make it of a lesser degree. And what's the evidence of a lesser degree? What's the proof that it's of a lesser degree? That this kufr, this fight in the believers is going to take outside the fold of Islam? Barakallahu fiqh, the eye which you're studying now, if two groups of the believers, they fight. So although they're fighting each other, Allah Ta'ala still calls them what? Believers. Jazakallah khairan. Although they're still fighting each other, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala still calls them what? Believers. So there's certain things that the Prophet refers to as kufr, but it doesn't mean, like he said, this level, it takes outside the fold of Islam. Like the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, itnan bihima al-kufr. There's two categories of people, or two practices that people do, that bihima, that due to these practices, they have with them huma bihim al-kufr. They have with them kufr, disbelief. He said the first of it was al-ta'anu fi nasab wa niyaha al mayyit to doubt the validity of somebody's lineage or to wail and cry excessively over the dead person. The Prophet said, said this practice is kufr. So does it mean that everybody who wails and cries over a dead person is a kafir? La. Or doubt the validity. It's a major sin, but it doesn't take you outside the fold of what? The fold of al-Islam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends the ayah by saying, Wattaqullah. And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fear Allah by doing what? By doing that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered you to do, which is to cause or bring about settlements between your brothers. And taqwallah, when you say to someone, what does it mean then? You have to do what Allah has ordered you to do by staying away from his prohibitions and fulfilling the orders of Allah. And the order of Allah has to do what? Sulh. In order that you may receive mercy. In the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu. Allah ta'ala calls us in the name of Iman. And this ayah is serious because something that happens a lot in all periods of time and especially the time we're in nowadays because a lot of the violations that people engage in nowadays, they justify in the name of, I'm only joking. It's just a joke. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, you believe. Let not a set of people mock another set of people. Asa and yakunu khayran minhu. Maybe they're better than them, those men. Wala nisa min nisa. And no women or set of women should mock another set of women. Asa and yakunna khayran minhun. 
maybe the women they're mocking are better than them. And the ulama, they say maybe better than them here means in the Allah, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rubba ash'at aghbar, madfu' bil abwaab, law aqsama billahi la abarra. There are some people you see, they look dusty, their hair is dusty, their clothes are dirty, they look disheveled. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said such a person is rejected at every door. Nobody wants to employ him, nobody wants to marry to their daughters. The Prophet says, such a person that you look down upon, if he was to swear by Allah that such and such would take place, due to his position of Allah, that thing would take place. But yet we look down upon them. So maybe in the sight of Allah, is better than the one you're mocking. The ulama also say, maybe it is better than you in the future. You don't know what tomorrow holds. The one you're mocking today may be better than you tomorrow. And even in some cases, maybe it's even better than you currently, but yet you mock them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لا يسخر قوم من قوم. Allah ta'ala said, لا يسخر قوم من قوم. Not let a people mock another people. ولا تلمزوا أنفسكم. And this is a ajeeb, a strange ayah. Allah ta'ala says, do not insult yourselves. Is it possible for a person to insult himself? And you find this many ayahs in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, for example, don't eat up your own wealth in falsehood. Don't kill your own self. The reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers, refers to this as your own self is because the believer, a true believer, the honor of his brother is like his own honor. The wealth of his brother is like his own wealth. So Allah ta'ala tells you, don't eat your own wealth because your brother's wealth is your wealth. Your brother's honor is your honor. And that's why when it came to the haditatul uh, ifk, the lie that was made against Aisha radiallahu anha, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? If only the believing men and the believing women thought well of who? Of Aisha? Of their own selves in a good way. Because the honor Aisha is their honor. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Do not insult each other. And the ulama also say, The reason Allah Ta'ala said, do not insult yourself, is because of this. That, All of us, the one you're insulting, and yourselves, you are what? All human beings. So when you insult a human being, due to a physical trait in him, due to of physical trait in that person. You're only insulting who? Your own self, he's human like you. So whether it's black, whether it's white, whether it's brown, whether it's red, whether it's tall, whether it's short, at the end of the day is a what? Human being like you. So when you do such a thing, you're only insulting who? You're only insulting your own self. And they say likewise, do not insult yourself, the moment you insult somebody, you've insulted yourself. As the Prophet ﷺ said, man May Allah curse the one that insults his own parent. The Sahaba, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, is it possible for a person to insult his own parents? The Prophet ﷺ said, Yasubbu aba rajulin aba. Wa yasubbu ummahu yasubbu umma. That a person insults another person's father. And what does a person do in return? Insults his own father. And he insults somebody's mother, and what does a person do in return? Insults his mother. The moment you throw insults at people, they're going to throw insults back at you. 
And most importantly, pointing out somebody's physical defect or character defect, when you look at somebody and you see a defect or what you may interpret as a defect that is too white or is too tall, is too pale, it's got freckles, it's got red hair, blonde hair, whatever it is, when you're criticizing this person, what are you really criticizing? Did he choose to be black? Did he choose to be white? Did he choose to be tall? Did he choose to be short? Who are you insulting? Whose defect are you pointing out? The defect of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dangerous. That's who you're accusing. And even if a person has a disability or particular defect, who are you blaming for this now? For this defect you're pointing out? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, when you find a wall that's not properly erected and leaning over, do you go to that wall, you stupid wall? How could you build, be built like this? Or do you blame the architect? The architect or the one that built the wall. So likewise, when you look at somebody's physical characteristics, saying, hmm, this and that, who are you, point, who are you pointing finger of blame at? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, pointing out a person's non-physical characteristics, for example, a trait, a character trait. Maybe the person's a bit slow. He doesn't understand things very quickly. Or is very talkative. This is not also a good thing to do. If a person has shortcomings in terms of the characters, your duty is to do what? To advise them. If you find you can advise them directly, you could write a letter to them, you could even be mysterious about it, but it's not to mock them. The Prophet said, Do not show or rejoice in the shortcoming of, a brother, of your brother. That Allah Ta'ala may remove that thing from him and test you with it. So do not show or do not show happiness in the shortcoming of your brother. And then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Do not call each other by nicknames. Another thing which is prohibited. And in some cultures, some traditions, it's okay to call each other by nicknames, even if they're insulted nicknames. So many a times I've told this story. That when I lived in East Africa, there was a brother who lived on the same compound as us. All this time, I thought this was just his name. The same way my name now, if I was to tell you my name, my Nigerian name, you don't know the meaning, just call me like that. Ismail, Rifai, Onirakumi, just call me Onirakumi, finish. So in the same way, this brother was a Somali brother. I don't know Somali, so everybody referred to him as Ali Gurwe. So I called him Ali Gurwe, meaning his surname is Gurwe. But I noticed the other Kenyans who spoke a different language, Swahili, they referred refer to him Ali Fisi. So I'm thinking, is his name Gurwe or is it Firisi? Fisi? Then I asked one day, what does Ali Gurwe mean? This brother had, subhanAllah, had very protruding front tooth, like buck tooth that came out like that. And Gurwe in Somali means hyena. And Fisi in Swahili also means hyena. So they call him Ali Hyena, like that. And this seemed acceptable to them. And he was used to it. And the good way, he'll answer. Like this. So although culturally, it may seem acceptable. And this is not to say in that culture only. Even where I come from sometimes, you know, there's ways that people refer to each other. In Nigerian, as Sheikh Suleiman will tell you, you know, if you have, for example, very big eyes, for example, which I was used to hearing all the time, things like that, it's just like that. It's like normal, you know? Oh, uh, I'm looking for Abdullah, Abdullah Bold, something like that, you know? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not call each other by al-qab, by nicknames. Bi'sa ismul fusuq ba'd al-iman. Wretched is the name 
of disobedience after iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And important, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَتُبْ Whoever doesn't repent from these actions, insulting, calling people by nicknames, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ These are the fasiqun. And a fasiq is a serious thing. It's not just the fact you be called a fasiq and it ends there. It's just a verbal, you know, punishment. Oh, he's a fasiq. It doesn't end there. It has consequences. The fasiq, the ulama say, لَا يَسِحْ أَنْ يَكُنْ وَلِيًّا لِبْنَتِهِ The person was a fasiq. It is not befitting for him to even marry his daughter off. He can't be a guardian for his daughter. And this is one of the things that makes a person a fasiq. Calling people nicknames, insulting people, makes a fasiq. The fasiq is testimony is never accepted in any court or doing any case. A fasiq is not permissible for him to be an imam, to lead people in salah, ever. So the one who claims to have knowledge, yet he makes racist utterances and he calls people bad nicknames. Like Jews, and you saw the abindas. The fasiq, it's not permissible for him to even make the adhan. For him to even make the adhan. And whoever doesn't repent, so therefore it's upon them a repentance. They're for the fasiqun. They are the fasiqun. And what is a tawbah? A tawbah is to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his disobedience to his obedience. And tawbah has shurut, conditions. So not every single person claims they repented have repented unless they follow these conditions. The first of these conditions is ikhlas, sincerity. You don't do it for the sake of your reputation, the, the sake of physical harm if you don't repent. No, you do it for the sake of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a condition in every act of ibadah. So a person who works in the West, for example, America or England, as brothers tell you, racism, yes, discrimination is totally unacceptable. So a person who used to do those things and say, you know what, nowadays you can't get away with that, you know? You can't get away with calling people that are Pakistani the P words. You can't get away with using the N words. You know what, I can't do it. Is this is sincerity? Not sincerity. You have to do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That there has to be ikhlas. Secondly, a tarq, to leave it off immediately. The second condition of Tawbah, whatever sins you're doing, you have to leave it off immediately. And if it's an obligation you're not doing, you have to start doing that obligation immediately. The third condition of Tawbah, oh, sorry, the second condition was regret. You have to regret it, sincerely regret it. Yes, and the third condition mentioned is to leave it off. The fourth condition is Azm. You have to have determination not to go back to that sin or that disobedience. And the fifth is to repent before the door of Tawbah is closed. Because the door of Tawbah closes. There's a general closing of the door of Tawbah. And the general closing of the door of Tawbah is that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to. When he says, Hal yanzurun? Are they waiting except illa an ta'tiyahumul malaika? Are they waiting except that the angel comes to them? Oh, ya'tiya rabbuk. Or your Lord comes to them. Oh, ya'tiya ba'du ayati rabbik. Or some of the signs of your Lord comes to them. Yawma ya'ti ba'du ayati rabbika la yanfa'u nafsan imanuha. The day some of the signs of your Lord comes, it will not benefit any soul to believe at that point. Like Fir'aun, when he reached that point. It will not benefit anybody when the signs of Allah comes, if he's not believed before. And the tafsir, explanation of the signs of your Lord, the Prophet wasallam said, the general sign, or sorry, the general time the door of Tawbah closes, when the sun rises from the west. At that point, no Tawbah. And the specific closing of door of Tawbah is when death, it comes to an individual. At that point, 
There's no toba for a person. These are the conditions of toba. However, some put a sixth condition because this toba is what's between you and Allah. What if you've taken from somebody else's rights? For example, a person stole money from somebody and he's repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Truly repented. He used to be a thief, for example. He's stolen. What about the person he stole from? Does he have to give that money back? They say, yes, he has to return that money. Because it's the haqq of not Allah azza wa jalla, of another human being. And they say, haqqullah mabni ala musamaha. Allah's rights is built upon forgiveness. He forgives and pardons. As for the son of Adam, dispute. He wants his right. He has to give that money back. If he's defrauded somebody, he has to pay the money back. If he cheated somebody, he has to pay it back. They say he has to pay it back. Now, what if a person fears, like in this specific case, you call somebody by a racist name, you use the nickname behind his back, what do you do? Like you stole money from somebody, you fear if you give, if you go to him and say, Akhi, I stole this money. I used to be a thief. I defrauded you. You'll be arrested, you'll be put in prison. What should you do? They say, in that case, if it's a monetary issue, find somebody that is the person you stole from, find somebody that he trusts a lot and he believes. And you get that person to go to him and say, look, such and such a person, he stole your money, he's asked me to return it. The reason he has to trust that person, imagine you lose like 100,000, for example. Somebody say, Achi, somebody stole your money, I got all the money. The suspicion, if you don't trust that person, will fall on that person immediately. So it has to be somebody that person trusts to go to him and say, look, I've recovered your money. The person repented to Allah Azza wa Jalla said to return your money. If you cannot find such a person, they say, look, even if you have to deliver it mysteriously, type out a message, for example, your handwriting is not known, but you return the money, that suffices you to do it. What if he stole from many different people as a pickpocket? He stole from this bus, that train. What does he do? And he doesn't know who we stole from, we took the money from, we defrauded. They said in that case, it gives it out. After trying all those other efforts, it doesn't work. Not you jump to this immediately. It gives it out as sadaqah, as a charity. Not for himself, but with the intention, the reward goes to the person he, he stole from. So here the ayah ends, and we move on to the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ladhina amanu That all you believe abstained from much suspicion. Verily, some suspicions are a sin. So even though Allah Ta'ala says some are a sin, he told us to abstain from what? Many. Because to be extraordinary careful. Inshallah Ta'ala next week move on to this ayah. Subhanakallah bihamdika shadu an la ilaha anta astaghfirullah.